0: IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Insurance Business America Cyber Podcast series. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Deputy Editor, and in today's episode, I'm joined by Tyler O'Connor, Co-Director of CRC Group's Cyber and Technology Practice, and Amanda Harvey, partner at Wilson Elsa. Tyler, Amanda, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Great. So so far in this uh, cyber series, we've discussed um, the cyber risk landscape and the evolution of cyber risk. We've looked at best practice cyber risk mitigation, and we've looked at how brokers can put together a, a top quality cyber insurance package. Um, so now we're going to look at breach response. So let's start with an example. Um, an employee clicks on a dodgy link. A dreaded troll pops up on screen saying all systems have been locked down until a ransom is paid. Tied up. What happens next?
1: Well, several things can happen next. Hopefully, we have um, a culture in the company where, no matter whose desk that uh, pop-up occurs or whatever uh, machine uh, where that arrives, uh, that that somehow makes its way to somebody that is a decision maker, um, and that it doesn't, um, you know, sit under the desk or or is hidden. That we have a culture of um, of reporting something. In, in that way. Um, and then from there, I, you know, look, I mean, hopefully we have insurance. Let's assume that we do, right? We're all tuning in and we, we place this business and we've, we've tried very hard uh, to place this business and um, hopefully we've equipped our uh, policyholders with a policy that um, is there and is ready to go. And hopefully at the same time, that policy is accept, uh, accessible, rather, uh, by more than one person at the insured Uh, at the company where the event happened. So um, because one of the first things we want to do is we want to notify our insurer. And uh, inevitably, that may not be a phone number that's in our phone. Maybe it is. Uh, It may not be something that's accessible uh, to the one person that uh, knows where that policy is and where that hotline is, and they happen to be, you know, fly fishing in Wyoming at the time. I don't know. It may not happen at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday uh, when we're already at our desk ready for the inevitable. Um, and so, you know, having, um, having a report system um, to allow that to um, uh, come to somebody that has access um, to utilize the report functions under a cyber breach policy, you know, I'd say, you know, I just don't want to assume and jump past that because it sounds easy to think about, okay, well, once we report to an insurer, you know, let's talk about the sequence of events from there. But what we oftentimes uh, fail to have the conversations about um, with our, our buyers are, you know, uh, getting from pop-up shutdown to report. And uh, lag time in that situation uh, just is kind of self-inflicted if it's not pre-thought out. So from there, though, the insurer, and the the insurer through its, you know, uh, inevitable 24-7 um, hotline, uh, breach response services, whether they um, are handled directly by the carrier themselves, which a few carriers handle that in-house. Um, a lot of carriers um, will source that out to a law firm or someone that will take that call and immediately begin, um, r- hopefully uh, promptly r- respond if they don't answer the phone, promptly respond to you uh, with someone who's going to help um, determine what, um, what's happening, what's at play, what do we know? And then that person, in kind of a quarterback-style fashion, will begin uh, instructing us as a buyer on what uh, options are available to us in the policy and possibly what um, what steps to take and to not take. And people like Amanda um, are the people that, that do that. And so I'm glad that you, Amanda, that you're here. And so one of the things I would, I would turn and say to you is, in order to um, begin that sequence of events for which we have, different coverage offerings offered under the policy, whether it's forensics or notification and call center services or, uh, you know, credit remediation and, and monitoring, or whether it's ransomware. You know, in order to begin that sequence of events, you know, what is it that, um, from your perspective, what should somebody have in mind as they pick up the phone and they call that, uh, that number or reach out to that email?
2: Well, I mean, the minute that we get a phone call, okay, we consider ourselves uh, cyber coaches, okay, because we're going to help out the client from making sure that they can get their computer system back up to making sure that they've adequately preserved all evidence so we can determine whether or not there are any notification obligations uh, under whatever regulatory agency that they're in. So, I mean, when I think about what to do if there has been an incident, first and foremost, call your broker. Your broker is your advocate. We'll make sure... that uh, get to us as soon as possible, and then it's so important that it gets to the cyber coach, the attorney, as soon as possible for a couple of things. Number one, uh, one of the problems that we find is that the minute that it gets to us, the IT department, who's just trying to get a company back up and running and make sure that they're not losing any time or any business, may have wiped the system clean. Okay, That's, that's a problem. Okay, we actually need, um, we need evidence in order to determine whether or not uh, through an investigation if notification is necessary. Okay? So you get us involved, and what we can do is we already know what forensic team to get involved. We already know who's been pre-approved, what vendor has been pre-approved, and we will get you up and running. And, and you, you were absolutely right, um, 24 hours. We're on call 24 hours. So the first thing that you can do is get us involved so we can get the investigation going, so we can get the client up and running. And by getting the attorney involved right away, you also have made sure that the entire investigation is covered under the attorney-client privilege as well. So the first thing you can do is just get get the broker involved to get the attorney involved. That's my, if I can tell anyone anything, that's my major advice whenever there's an incident is
1: to get us involved as soon as possible. And as a broker, I would say, listen, yeah, call us, you know, um, but don't wait on us. If you can't get the broker, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, report. And interestingly, under a cyber policy, a lot of people think, you know, this originated as a liability policy underwritten by liability underwriters and pitched from a liability perspective, um, which is, you know, uh, not necessarily to report things that might be. Um, and so, you know, cyber policy has got an intangible um, kind of an invisible trigger to it. If you suspect that there's been a data breach, not just that the system shuts down immediately and it's uh, pretty uh, cut and dry that something has happened here. You know, if we suspect that there's been a privacy breach, then, you know, the cyber policy is set up as well to uh, accommodate those type of notice of circumstances also.
0: Amanda, you just mentioned uh, notification obligations. And obviously, that links into this, uh, you know, the cyber regulatory environment and this sort of laws around privacy and that sort of thing. So, so what laws do companies need to abide by? What do they need to be thinking about um, if they've potentially been breached?
2: So the way that I look at this, I'm making it as simple as possible, is you have two different types of entities whenever I'm taking a phone call that I I think about. Okay, is this a covered entity under HIPAA? Okay, is it a medical provider? Or is it a different kind of entity that's not covered under HIPAA? Okay, because you're going to have different laws. If it's a covered entity, then absolutely, positively, you have HIPAA, and you need to determine whether PHI, which is uh, personal health information has been exposed, okay? So that's that's incredibly important and it's incredibly important to make sure that your, your attorney knows what all the different deadlines are because depending on how large that population is that may have been exposed, you have time deadlines of how to notify the, uh, the patient, that their information has been exposed. And the thing is, it's not just under HIPAA, so I'm focusing right now on the, the medical provider, the covered entity. It's not just HIPAA. Depending on what state those patients are in also, there are different laws pertaining to the different states and whether or not you also have to notify the AG's office of any type of breach. And then after you've notified the AG's office, sometimes you have to notify uh, credit monitoring services. So it's important to determine, number one, does HIPAA apply? Okay, if it does, then that's what you need to make sure that you're notifying to OCR, which is the Office of Civil Rights, of any type of breach. And then you're also notifying to possibly the state's attorney general's office and also, of course, to the patient about what happened. Uh, and then... The other kind of notifications that you have to think about is, depending on how many people are involved, do you have to put it on your website as a substitute notice? And do you have to provide media notice as well? So those are kind of the things that you're thinking about if you have possibly a HIPAA breach. If it's not with a covered entity, then you're looking at personal personal identifying information, okay? That's PII. Did you have someone's social security number? Um, Do you have anybody's uh, financial information, anything like that? And again, once again, we have to look at what state they're located in because the state laws differ from state to state as far as depending on how many people have been compromised in this incident and whether or not you have to notify that state attorney general. And then obviously you have to notify the the person's imp- the person whose information was compromised as well. So there's a lot of notification going on here, and that's just in the U.S. Uh, if you have companies that have uh, employees or anybody that's outside the U.S., then you're going to have other notifications with GDPR as well.
1: Yeah. You know, and I would just say in that way as well, you know, one of the things that's just strategically, um, just in the same way that you would map out and think through um, a breach response plan and have that accessible by more than one person. I mean, one of the, the things that, from a risk management standpoint would be to, to know and be aware of the applicable regulations that apply to you and what type of information you do collect, manage, or store, what applicable uh, regs, uh, you know, may exist in your business or uh, relevant, relative to that information, you know, and to the best of your ability that you've got a plan for operating within compliance of with those regulations, you know. Um, if anything, you know, and, and Amanda, I would yield back to you on this, and, you know, maybe this is a different podcast, but, you know, increasing your defensibility in the wake of a claim um, would be helpful, you know, to show compliance, to show policies and procedures that uh, we're aware of, um, certain regula- regulations, um, uh, certain responsibilities pertaining to, to data. You know, so that if, if uh, the inevitable happens, or an error happens, or a rogue employee, you know that um, things were in place, and that you had thought those things out as well. You know, and you know, and then from a from a breach response standpoint, when you pay a policy for uh, when you say, I'm sorry, when you pay the premium for an insurance policy, you have pre-retained someone like Amanda. You know, um, and you have pre-retained someone that uh, is going to help you and support you and be your intelligence. Um, for diagnosing, as as the manager just laid out, what regulations apply and how each state notification's law and timing affects you. Otherwise, that would be an overwhelming thing for uh, an insured on their own or, you know, the counsel, the regular attorneys that an insured might use. Uh, An expert matters here, and when you pay your policy premium, you've retained that type of expert to help guide you and assessing that and complying with those legal, uh, those legal regulations.
0: Yeah. So beyond, you know, we've just spoken about those regulations, breach notification, that sort of thing. Beyond the legal issues, um, what other unexpected costs might arise um, for an insured that has a breach?
2: Well, some of the things, I mean, we've talked about, obviously, the forensic investigation, all of those things that you would think would go into it, right, data recovery, things like that. But what clients don't always understand, and that's important to get across, is that business interruption is going to be huge. If you have gone through a ransomware event or anything, any type of compromise like that, and your system is down, and I've had this with clients where their phones are down, their website's down, everything is down. So you end up having... Um, lost revenue during due to network compromise, you have decreased employee productivity in response to the incident, I, you also have um, possible reputational damage, customer loss, denial of service. These are all things that, that go into it that may seem to some extent um, like some intangibles. So that's something that we, we also help as a cyber coach. We help through all of that. We help with the messaging of this incident. We help with getting you back up and wor- working as fast as possible. So we help with all of that, but that's going to be incredibly important, and to, that's one of those other areas to make sure that you have enough coverage in as well, because that's one of those things that you don't always foresee that you're going to be down. What, what will happen if your business is down for a week? Alright, think about that, think about how much money would be lost and that's that's your business interruption and make sure that you have proper coverage for a situation like that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: In terms, so a lot of insurance carriers these days are talking about, you know, how they can differentiate themselves in the cyber insurance marketplace. Um, One of the ways people seem to be doing that is by providing or or, or sort of offering out these extra value-added services. So Amanda, you've mentioned, you know, yourself, uh, Wilson Nelson being sort of the cyber coach. I know people are offering crisis management, legal counsel, all that sort of thing. And so Tyler, sort of What trends are you seeing in terms of these sort of breach response services and and value-added extras?
1: Well, in the last 18 to 24 months, we've really made a a leap uh, as an industry from being um, an insurance industry that is uh, remediation-focused, call us when you need us, to uh, an alignment on the front end of ensuring as best we can that you're in the most um, uh, you're in you're in the most defensible position, and a position that um, you know is set up to to try and avoid a a situation like this. I mean, look we've we've had the highest levels of retail and government be breached. And whether it's an inside or an outside event, you know, it, it can happen. It's not that it can't happen to you. But there are ways to avoid it and to be defensible in doing it. And from our perspective, you know, insured uh, buyers have always kind of struggled with the fact that insurance and cyber resources um, have it better um, been aligned or incorporated and lend, um, lend themselves to one another. And so it, it has been encouraging, and, it, and it's become a marketable difference in a way that people are selling one policy and one carrier to the next is what essentially, you know, quote-unquote free services are available to me. How are you going to put me in a position to avoid a loss? Now, it's not just a, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme type situation. It's also reflected of the fact that Buyers of insurance are still having to make a tough decision, which they've had for several years, and which for several years hurt us as a marketplace from non-buyers in the small and middle market, which is, how do I spend my IT budget? How do I spend my dollars? Do I spend it in the way of buying an insurance policy, or do I spend it in the way of cybersecurity and increased security posture? Now, not everybody's had to choose that fork in the road. They can go down both to an extent. Um, but for people that do and for small businesses they are, you know, allocating in a tough way how to spend one route or the other, you know, to have uh, those two tied together or better aligned where um, the cyber insurer is in a way offering a warm introduction or a discount or certain free services that at the same time they are considering putting out the bid and spending money um, on outside of insurance yeah, that is very appealing to a buyer because, you know, not only do they, would they expect a cyber insurer to be aligned with all the different response services that we've, we've kind of touched on here and all the different vendors in the same way, they've just struggled with the fact that, you know, the, the pre-breach, the, the avoidance, um, you know, cybersecurity uh, protection people aren't also better aligned. So we have seen a, um, a great movement um, in the way of those services being made available um, or broadcast to buyers or given to them in certain circumstances. You know, and that can run the gamut from just a general health assessment to uh, true deep dives, ethical hacking, tabletop exercises, ongoing live cyber surveillance, ongoing, you know...
0: Uh, okay, tie that, Amanda going to have to hold it there with questions and um, thank you very much for uh, for sharing some insight with us today um very much appreciate that uh if you enjoyed this episode make sure to listen to the rest of our cyber series where we look at the cyber risk landscape now and into the future and um, best practice cyber risk mitigation and how to put together a first class cyber insurance program also make sure to follow us on social media we're on twitter at insurancebizus, facebook and linkedin thanks everyone for listening Thank you for listening to part four of the cyber risk series of IBA talk. For more understanding of the current risk landscape, best practices for mitigating perils that are out there and coverage solutions best tailored to your client specific cyber risks. Be sure to listen to episodes one, two, and three available now on SoundCloud and Stitcher.